The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter Seven, The Last Douchey Domicile Episode Two A short distance beyond the walls of Castle Guernatal, some members of Ardell Redmore's personal guard rode. Tied across the back of one horse was a figure bound, gagged, and head covered in a burlap sack. The party was followed by a hunting hound. As they reached a small clearing, the guards called a halt. The guards dismounted and threw their captive none too gently onto the ground. They quickly tied each of the captive's limbs to the saddle of a different horse, via a small length of rope. Only then did they remove the sack from his head, revealing Ricard Redmore. Your cousin says he's sorry about your accident. Ricard's eyes widened, but he barely had time to scream. A guard put a wooden whistle to his lips and blew. No sound could be heard by human ears, but the hound heard. The dog went mad, jumping and barking and howling at the sound. The horses, spooked by the hound, bolted in all different directions. Ricard Redmore was torn limb from limb. Nelson stood in a beam of dawn's light dappling through the canopy of the white forest. The boy stood on the porch of a house-sized structure carved into the trunk of an enormous tree. The bark had been stripped from the tree, exposing the shimmering flesh below. The effect was as though tiny pinpoints of light shone throughout the trunk of the tree. The effect reminded Nelson of something he called Christmas lights, although the effect was entirely natural. You should get some rest, you know. Nia emerged from the structure and joined Nelson outside. Tried. Couldn't sleep. Nor could I. Elven medicine is second to none. They couldn't possibly be in better hands. Rather than looking the cleric in the eye, Nelson found some twigs that had fallen onto the railing which surrounded the patio. He attempted to arrange the twigs as he spoke. I haven't slept well since I've been here. Dreams are really intense. Oh? I mean, I still don't remember them, but when I wake up, I feel like I just went through a lot, you know? And you have no recollection as to the content of these dreams? How about you thoroughly examine these nuts, you tree fart? The door of the tree structure opened again. Billy emerged this time. And by emerged, I mean was hoisted into the air by two elves in silver veils and thrown out the door and onto his backside. For the last time, would you please mind your tongue? Some asshole's in there taking Jen's clothes off. They're doctors, Billy. I don't give a shit who they are. Do you understand that Jen would certainly be dead without the help our hosts are giving us? Yeah, but they don't have to be so fucking douchey about it. This place is, like, off a little... It's exactly like I expected it, but then not. Of course you had ideas about what magical tree forts would be like. No, it's kind of like Rivendell. It's the the badass, mystical elf city that we had to ride to for safety, but 
Elrond in Lord of the Rings is just like the coolest dude. Everyone here is all beautiful, has bitchin' armor and all that, but they're just, well, douchey. Uh, My bacterial friends tried often to explain to me how exactly the elves of the White Forest resembled a feminine hygiene product from Billy's realm, but understanding long eluded me. Yet, somehow, the children all found this description quite apt. I'm going to see if the physicians can tell me any more. Try not to get us thrown out. Hey man, I, I meant to tell you. You stepped up with me back in that church place. That was pretty legit. I mean, right before we got our asses handed to us? It's like Coach always says. You don't ever complete 110% of the passes you never throw. It doesn't, it doesn't really, uh... I know, man. I, why'd I ever respect that guy so much? He was a fucking moron. From within the structure, a noise emerged that could only be General Brennan awaking. The children rushed into the building. At Castle Guernatal, Antonin Mooncrest held counsel with his uncle Julius in a room which had been co-opted as a sitting room for the Mooncrests. The Mooncrest sigil had been hastily strewn about, next to the more permanent Guernatal markings. Perhaps Lord Ricard truly is ill. I think it's more sinister than that. You can tell when Redmore thinks he's being oh so clever by the way his lip twists up. The idiot. It may be time then to reconsider your designs, nephew. Whether Lord Ricard is gravely ill or his cousin sent him away, we've lost our best source of reconnaissance in House Redmore. All the more reason to act. If Ardell discovered that Ricard was acting on our behalf, he may try to move against us. No, he won't. He needs our army. There's no way around that. Antonin Mooncrest, Arlene Redmore's betrothed, you recall, stood and paced the room. When we embarked on this course, I expected to find Ardell Redmore petulant and uncouth. Instead, I found a man so abject that his mere existence shook me to my soul. When our forebearers were granted lands, they swore to protect the innocent, same as Redmore's. And here is this man who poisons the world with every breath he draws. We are honor-bound to stop him. You've a noble heart, nephew, but you must be pragmatic. Redmore needs our armies, but we need his allies at court. Allies that are only his to give because Gunther is killed. Galden help me, uncle. It wouldn't shock me to learn he had a hand in that. Then prove it. If you can turn his allies to ours, you have my blessing to seek satisfaction from Redmore. Until then, we must tread lightly. Traft wants nothing more than for the princes of Jordan to tear each other apart until none can stand against him. And if you think Ardell Redmore is abject... I worry for Arlene. What of her? I'm worried her brother has yet more cruelty in store for her. Today? On the day of her wedding? Today especially. He won't risk doing anything to embarrass us. My concern is not for reputation or propriety. Well, it should be. Many would call it improper for a second son to run a great house while the firstborn yet lives. Watch yourself. I mean no accusation. You know I've supported you all along. But that's precisely my meaning. There's proper and there's just and sometimes... They're at odds. You don't need to put on airs about justice. Every man's been tempted to impropriety by a fine piece of ass like Maid Redmore. But that's but not- But we have a realm to think about. A thousand, thousand subjects. Yes, 
uncle. And the moment we start thinking of our subjects as pieces on a game board is the moment all is lost. In the white forest, Brennan sat up on his infirmary couch. He was drenched in sweat, but it was clear his fever had broken, thanks to the miracle of modern elven medicine. Morning, beautiful. How'd you sleep? What about Jen? Give the serve a moment. As if on cue, Jen awoke, <coughs> coughing. <coughs> Billy was immediately by her side, engulfing her in an embrace. Holy shit. I thought I lost you. What's... Where am I? Some elf house. He kissed her. You're on the home of the great physician called Ba'anir Leek. One more on that one? To whom we owe a debt. Which I swear on my title we shall repay as soon as we're able. Just then, the physician entered the room. He addressed a question in Hilig to Yiluin. But Nia responded in kind before Yiluin could. The physician seemed both shocked and saddened by her answer. Nia, Memyet. With something like affection, he traced a circle in the air around Jen and then exited the room. What was that about? He was troubled by the injuries on Jen's neck and wished to learn how she came by them. At which time I informed him that Jen had the horrid misfortune of facing a Templar of Discord in combat. I don't remember that. Did I lose that much time? You must have. I remember the night. We all witnessed that, yes? Jen's fight with the Templar? Spooky motherfucker came out of nowhere. While he was occupied with Jen, I loosed a shaft into his back. Mm, I don't know. Pretty sure I got him with a razor star. I hear Winnie puts shafts at a lot of dudes from behind. Jen still looked disoriented, but the rest of the party appeared to have understood Nia's meaning sufficiently for the cleric to drop the subject. Except for Billy, of course. He was still fixated on Yiluin's shaft. Kaltir. When do you think we can get an audience with the High Council? I've already made arrangements. They've agreed to hear us on the midday of the morrow. Billy, already bored with that brief, brief discussion of politics, had turned his attention back to Jen. Their intentions turned very immodest very quickly. Sweet. So what's the rooming situation? Keep your batter in the pan there, little pony. If I may, I would advise we rest meanwhile. Safe haven after a trying ordeal is a blessing most old soldiers dare not hope for. Praise Galadon for that. You look like you haven't slept yourself. Of course I have. What do you think? I just waited in here all night? She had. You'll want to be well rested for the council meeting. And why's that? Why, that's where we'll declare your regency. Shh! Did that fever fry your brains? What the fuck are you trying to do? Regan's face showed the expression of a cornered cat. Brennan's and Yellowin's. Simply confusion. Was that not our plan? Wasn't my plan. What about all we said of destroying bad men? That's the kind of shit you do from the shadows. Walking into a room full of elves and telling them I'm queen in the middle of a civil war is a whole nother level of attention. Best case scenario, they believe us and now we've got every standing army in Jordan up our asses. But we'd have the Tar Lohil on our side. Worst case scenario, they think we're full of shit and put us all to death for it. Your claim is just... You've the high throne in your blood, not to mention the Gwernatal talisman of dominion. All that proves is I'm a bastard and a thief. You have more than a day to think on your course. In the meanwhile, there's something else. What's that? Yellowin hesitated. His usual confident demeanor was lost for the first time in Brennan's memory. Sir Brennan, have you ever been honor-bound to do something that you found very distasteful? Every man has in his time. And yet there's no choice at all, in fact. For to forsake duty would be tenfold more bitter. Very well said, Cartier. What are you bound to do? 
Since we're here and you're my guests, I'm afraid we must dine with my parents. The home of Ween Lodiek and Bartlo Yil, the parents of our dear Yilloween, were simply opulent. The mansion was carved into the heart of one of the largest trees in the White Forest, the trunk hollowed out to create a living space. As such, every surface shimmered and glowed in the manner of the White Forest as a whole. The great room in the centre was tastefully decorated, but in a way that the family's wealth and prestige could not be ignored. An entire taxidermied elephant sat in the corner. Paintings by the most famous elven artists adorned the walls. A mahogany table sat in the centre of the room, the dark wood even more striking in the context of the White Forest. A massive crystal chandelier hung from above, and precious jewels of every kind accented everything. Yilowin's parents sat at a smaller table in their foyer, as a small army of human servants buzzed around in preparation for the upcoming meal. Sapphire, you missed a spot on the tusk there. He liberally sipped a brown liquid from a bejeweled chalice. Jade, are you quite sure the roast will be ready soon? Yilowin will be here any minute now. And where is that blasted elder youngling? You worry too often these days, husband. Bart went for another sip, but his spouse grabbed his wrist. And drink too much. Lately I have a feeling, call it a premonition if you like, that everything is coming to an end. I can feel the lights that have shone on Yod and Lo these many centuries slowly being extinguished. It's as if whatever beauty there is in this world is slipping through our fingers like so much sand. That's no premonition, dear. That's just called getting old. At this moment, the massive doors to the hall creaked open. If you ask me, the elves intentionally designed their doors to creak dramatically. It's rather ostentatious. Upon reflection, this may explain Billy's epithet for the elves. While the word may have at some point been involved in feminine hygiene, I, I now agree that the best possible definition of a douche is one with the skill to build quiet doors who makes them creak anyway just for effect. Oh, sorry, I digress. The doors creaked open, and Yilloween entered. He greeted his parents with perfect formality. He stood in the doorway and bowed low before entering and sitting cross-legged on the ground in front of his parents. They in turn responded formally, only briefly touching the top of his head with their right hands. They spoke in Helig. Parents? Youngling. Is not my sibling here? She's only gotten worse since you left. Always off with her friends. Protest this. Delay gratification that. A mere phase it is. You've not been here, child. The youth grow more intolerable each day. When we had your age, we'd pass our summers with harmless orgies down by the lake of homes forgotten. That was a more decent and innocent time. Galadin only knows what they do now. Dark times indeed. And the fall of Gwenatal does little to brighten the forecast. Yes, on that subject... Duh. Yo, Weenie's parents are loaded. As you may have guessed, 
The children had just entered the hall. They did not bother to hide their amazement at the beautiful room, their mouths literally agape in wonder. Brennan, Regan, and Nia did a better job in concealing their reaction. But only just. Jen's joy was tempered, however, when she noticed the stuffed elephant. Yiluin switched into the common tongue. Parents, allow me to introduce my travelling companions. I believe you've heard the name Brennan of Greyfield? Yes, even we elves know that name. My spouse and I welcome you to our home, General Brennan. And I thank you. In fact, he's Sir Brennan Willemson now. Is that a fact? Not it by whom? Yiluin opened his mouth to speak, but Regan caught his eye and almost imperceptibly shook her head in warning. The elf hesitated and then began again. It was one of the last acts of King Gunther. A blasted shame, that whole ordeal. Yulawin still owes us an explanation as to how that happened on his watch. I assure you, your son executed his duties with great skill and perfect honor. There was nothing he could have done. I'll gladly provide a full account. Yes, well, it can wait until bread is broken. Of course. And who are these others? Retainers of Sir Brennan's. Nia of Seahold, his chaplain. Honored to be your guest. Margaret of Armstrongard. His arms-bearer. And three squires, Jennifer, Nelson, and William. Squires all? Yiluin's father looked curiously at Jen. A moment of uncomfortable tension opened, as Regan realized her usual prostitute excuse would probably not help here. The tension was broken, however, by Yiluin's mother. Good. About time they started having female squires. I declare the rulers of Memiet can be positively backwards. The vitality of youth is always refreshing to have in this house, especially in your kind. We're so close to nature. Feel free to make use of the couches in our parlor after supper. I'm sure you all want to copulate vigorously with each other. Uh, As you can imagine, the children were quite unsure how to conduct themselves within the bounds of elven sexual propriety. Why don't we see how we're feeling after dessert? As you will. Shall we? Our supper shall be ready soon. While the party dined like elven aristocracy, the nobility in Castle Gwernatal were preparing for a wedding. Arlene Redmore dressed herself for her marriage. She donned her wedding gown and every item of jewellery she could fit on her body. The serving class of the castle made all necessary arrangements in the great hall while a troop of minstrels tuned their harps and lutes. The servants all wore plain brown cloaks with hoods up lest any other maid detract from the beauty of the bride. In this way Gwen was, ostensibly, indistinguishable from all the others. Arlene, shaking with nerves, touched a lonely finger to her lips in remembrance of the past morning's kiss. She sighed and stood, making sure the honed and deadly dagger she'd hidden under her gown was still in place. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. 
New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman, Dan Dobransky Lily Drexler Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins Paul Notice Frank Quares Julie Reed Gregory M. Schultz It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with second unit production sound by Gary O'Keefe. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 